Good to be together again, and we're grateful unto the Lord for all his goodness and his mercy. Amen. I'm ready to get into the word of the Lord tonight. It's Thursday night, 730. It's Bible study time. And we're going to dig into the word of the Lord. As you know, we've been talking about uh, pleasing the Lord. That's the series we've been teaching on for the past two weeks. Today would make the third week that we're talking about pleasing the Lord. And so we'll talk about that some more tonight. And next week we'll talk about that some more. Pleasing the Lord. How many know it's important to know how to please the Lord? Amen. We can't just be renegades and do whatever we want and just say, God, you need to be pleased with this. We, we, it's not the way it works. We don't tell him what he needs to be pleased with. We ask him what will please him. Amen. And we search out the scripture to see what he says will please him. And so we've been talking about pleasing the Lord and I hope you've been learning something. I hope you have um, took, you have taken something to say, I'm going to practice this, I'm going to practice this, because that's really uh, what we ought to do when we come together and we look into the word of the Lord together and God speaks to our heart. We're supposed to take that word and apply it into our life and live it out. The word become flesh. The word manifest. And that's what we ought to do as we receive the word of the Lord. And so we're going to pray, as we always do, before we get into the word of the Lord tonight. I want you to pray with me. I do have one prayer request. You know, we have, we have a lot to pray about, and we do pray about a lot of things. But tonight I'm going to just keep it simple. Um, I, I would say a good friend of mine. It's someone that I've worked with um, for over ten years. Um, and the, the last contract we worked on together, uh, when we closed that uh, contract, uh, we completed that contract, uh, he decided that he was going to work with, um, I guess it's UPS. And so um, Ricardo started working with UPS. And uh, the funny thing is, most of his route is in this area where I live. And so I get to see him from time to time. And I really appreciate that. Uh, we get to talk and catch up. And the other day, we were just catching up. And he said, um, you know, I asked him about his, his father. We always talk about him going back to Jamaica to visit. He has a home there. And so, you know, we're always talking about that. And I just randomly said the other day, hey, man, how's your father? He says, you know, he's doing all right. I'm going to try to get down there and go visit with him. And he called me this morning to say, Wayne, you wouldn't imagine what happened. I said, what? He said, my father passed away this morning. And so it was just surreal. Um, I, I just can't believe it. And I don't know his father personally, but Ricardo talks to me about his father so often. I feel like I know his father. And so when he gave me that news this morning, I was really, really um, uh, moved and say, man, you just never know uh, when you will be out of here. And... Um, his mother found his father um, passed away, um, and they said it was a whole bunch of mangoes around him. So apparently, he was feeding his face with mangoes, all kind of mangoes. And you know, we 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 kind of kid a little bit. And uh, part of what I said to Ricardo is, you know, he was a little sick. You know, he had um, 
what we like to call um, um, sugar diabetes. And so um, he was not supposed to be having a lot of sugar. But, you know, we don't understand sometimes. Sometimes when you have nagging illness or sickness, sometimes you just get tired of it and just say, you know what, I don't care. And you just do what you want, knowing that very possibly you could be out of here. And um, we, we kind of felt like his dad just felt like, I'm going to eat as much mango as I can. And whatever happens, happens. And uh, truth be told, his wife found him. Um, just slumped over a whole bunch of mangoes around him. So pray for the McCourty family. His name is Ricardo McCourty. Pray with me tonight for the McCourty family. Um, Ricardo's a good dude, really good dude. And um, I really love him and appreciate him. And um, I want to see God's will be done in his family. So pray with me with that tonight. And um, the other prayer requests, obviously, is that tonight's Bible study will have great impact in all of our lives. You know, sometimes we like to, as Christians, and it's right, we like to look around and, you know, want to pray for this one, want to pray for that one. And um, sometimes my thoughts are the are such where I think that if we can remain in a really strong position in God, meaning stand connected with the Lord, I believe sometimes we can do some great things just, you know, allowing God to work through us. And um, so I just believe it's very important that we get strong in God so that people that are connected to us can depend on us knowing that we're connected to the Lord and, and we can pray for them and intercede for them and, uh, you know, teach them and live by example around them so they can, you know, see an example and eventually receive Christ for themselves. So we need to be strong in this hour, church, and we don't need to look around and wondering who is strong and who is not strong. I really hope that we can put our eyes on ourselves about being strong in the Lord, not for selfish reasons, but to be strong so we can help others. Because if we're weak and others are you know, really struggling... How do we help one another? So we have to pray that we are strong in Christ and take our, our position in Christ the way we need to so we can help others. And so that's what I want you to pray about tonight is for yourself, uh, that you will be strong, that you will be a vessel God can work through to be a blessing to others and um, pray for the McCourty family. So keep those two things in mind and ask God to help us in that area. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you tonight, and we're so grateful to come together one more time to be able, Lord God, to just experience the breaking of bread, the word of life. Oh God, we are thankful that we have this great privilege, this great opportunity to just commune with you and to, to handle the word of God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves and we repent of our sins, Lord God, asking that you will forgive us for all of our ungodly ways and all the sins that we've committed against you, Lord God, knowingly and unknowingly. We ask that you will forgive us, that you will purge us, that you will cleanse us, that you will forgive us, Lord Jesus. For God, we want a clean heart. We want a pure heart. 
We want a mind, Lord God, that is sound and a mind that will be stayed on you. We want to experience your power, Lord Jesus, just overshadowing us and giving us strength in the time that of need, Lord God. I pray tonight that you will bind us together in unity, unity in the spirit, unity in the body of Christ, Lord God, that we're able, Lord Jesus, to truly, oh God, take our rightful place in you and be able, Lord God, to do what you've called us to the kingdom to do in such a time like these. Father, I pray tonight that no word that is spoken, none of your word that is spoken, Lord God, will fall to the ground. But every word that is spoken by you, Lord God, through your servant, Lord, we'll be able to hold on to it, to take it, Lord God, and apply it to our life, Lord God. Father, we just don't want to be hearers of your word tonight, but we want to be doers as well as hearers, Almighty God. And we're asking, Lord, that you will strengthen us, because all around us, Lord God, starting with our own families, Lord God, all around us, there are people that are weary, all around us, there are people that are weak, all around us, there are people, Lord God, that don't know who you are. All around us, there are people, Lord God, that have lost their way. But God, I'm praying tonight, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will strengthen us, your people, the body of Christ, Lord God, that we will take our rightful place in you and that our faith, Lord God, will increase, oh God, that Lord Jesus, we're able, almighty God, to make a difference wherever you place us, Lord God, to make a difference, Lord God. Oh, Father, in the lives that we encounter, Father. We're we're asking tonight, Lord Jesus, uh, that you use us, but we know, Lord God, we we must be, oh God, where we need to be in you. We must be strong, and we must, my God, be available to you. Help us tonight, Lord God, to walk by faith and not by sight, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus uh, that the strength of God will rest upon us, and oh God, we will operate in not our strength, but your strength, Lord God. Will you help us tonight, Lord God? Will you move in us tonight, oh God? Will you deposit, oh God, what you will in us tonight, Lord? Will you transmit your word with clarity to us tonight, Lord God? That we, oh God, will truly manifest the word of God in the way we live our lives, almighty God. In the way we represent heaven. In the way we represent who we are as Christians, as children of the Most High God. God. Father, I pray uh, that there will be understanding and revelation uh, of the scriptures tonight, Lord God. I pray that the gifts of the Spirit will operate, Lord God, and that the power of the Lord, oh God, uh, will move upon every one of us. Wherever we've, we've come together, Lord God, together in your name, uh, will you speak to us? Will you help us? Uh, will you move on us, Lord God? I pray tonight uh, for the McCourty family, Lord Jesus, uh, that you'll comfort them, uh, that you'll bring peace to them, uh, and Lord, Lord, that you'll reveal yourself to them. Lord, I pray that you'll lead them towards you, Lord God. I pray, oh God, that you'll bless and keep them, that you'll provide for them, Lord God, and be gracious unto them. Oh, Father, have your way tonight in our Bible study, Lord God, that we will not, oh God, end this lesson tonight without a touch from you, without the power of God moving in our hearts, without you, Lord God, speaking to us. Lord, help us to 
right, that something will happen in our heart. A change will take place in our life, Lord. Strengthen us and prepare us, Lord God, that we will be just who you have designed us to be. We give you praise and honor, Lord. We thank you, oh Jesus. We all, God, bless your name, for you are our God. You are our Lord. Will you rule and reign over us like you please, Lord God? Have your way, Lord Jesus. For God, we look to you, Almighty God. We can do nothing of ourselves. We're totally dependent upon you. Oh, we look to you for our strength coming from you, Lord God. Oh, Father, have your way tonight. We love you, Jesus. We honor you and praise you for all these things we ask in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and thank you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, i got to tell you, and we have to keep on understanding this. There are people that are depending on you. There are, there are people that are depending on you because when God designed you, when God allowed you to be born, he allowed, he placed in you gifts and talents that he can use to bless others. And God is depending on you. And in order for God's will to be done in your life, you have to give yourself to him. You have to begin to do what the word of God is telling you to do because God is depending on you. He wants to work through you and work in you for his will to be done. All of us have purpose in God. There's not one of us that God didn't design with purpose. Doesn't matter where you are today. Doesn't matter what you're doing. You have been designed by God with purpose. Somebody's depending on you. Arise. Let God do what he wants to do in you. So you can be a blessing to others. Life. You cannot ever experience a fulfilled life. Until you have been a blessing to someone else. It will always be something just missing. And a lot of times when we're saying something is missing, you know what it is? Because we're not fulfilling our purpose in Christ. And your purpose in Christ will require you being a blessing to somebody else. Hmm. Let's go into the word of the Lord tonight and see what the Lord has to say to our hearts. Thank you for joining us, joining us tonight. And thank you for being so diligent. In your studying of the word of God and your desire and your passion to be who Jesus wants you to be. We're going to continue our series on pleasing the Lord. Tonight, our title, or you can say subtitle, in pleasing the Lord is to love mercy. To love mercy. If we're going to please the Lord, we're going to have to love mercy. We can't say we're going to be a, a people that will please God and not love mercy. Amen. And so if you're going to please the Lord, you need to love mercy. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. As disciples, we must choose to love mercy. You cannot become a Christian and say that you want to please the Lord and not endeavor to love mercy. 
in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, the scripture says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Somebody say amen. amen. When someone does us wrong, we are presented with the opportunity to express mercy. Amen. I'm going to say that again because that might be a simple statement, but I think it's one worth repeating. When someone does us wrong, we are presented with the opportunity to express mercy. Unfortunately, when someone does us wrong, usually the only thing we can think about is how to get back at them. Mm-hmm. 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 It's almost like a, a reflection, a reaction, I should say, uh, when someone does us wrong. You do me wrong, automatically there's a reaction that begins to just cause me to figure out how I can get back at you. But the Lord wants us to understand tonight that when someone does us wrong, we are presented with the opportunity to express mercy. Key word there. Two key words, opportunity and mercy. Those who forgive are being merciful. When you are one that will forgive someone, you are being merciful. Rabbis who were contemporaries of the Lord Jesus Christ taught that a person who does you harm should be forgiven three times. That, that's what the rabbis taught before Jesus came on the scene. They said if someone did you wrong, it was right for you to forgive them three times. Perhaps with this in mind, Peter came to Jesus with an observation presented as a question. Peter's observation was likely intended to show his piety. Peter had already witnessed his fellow disciples in their competitive nature as they argued who among them was the greatest. Mm -hmm. So Peter wanted to showcase his superiority as he expressed what he felt was surpassing expectations. So that's why he came and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? So, I can just picture it. Peter figured, okay, the rabbis, they go around teaching that you should forgive your brothers three times. And so he says, Peter figured, well, I know my master is different, so let me impress my master. And so he went to the master and asked the master, Master, what do you think? How often should we forgive our brother? How about seven times? Peter thought he was saying something. Having learned from Jesus, Peter had decided he would be more than three times as forgiven as what the rabbis then taught. Peter felt somewhat secure in how he posed the question. Surely, Jesus would say, 
What a great commitment to the mercy of forgiveness. That's what Peter was expecting to hear from Jesus. But we know today Jesus says, no, 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 no. Until 70 times 7, which is 490 times. Jesus' response, until 70 times 7, far surpassed Peter's idea. The way the Greek text is written, check it out. The Greek text is written this way. The count toward 490 began at the start of each new day. <laughs> if that was the case, Jesus was saying, we are to forgive 490 times today, and then 490 times tomorrow, and 490 times the next day, and on and on and on. So when we say we're supposed to forgive someone, we're supposed to forgive them every day, every day, 490 times. Now, I don't believe somebody will ever sin against us 490 times in a day. But the bottom line is, Jesus said, you are supposed to forgive your brother 490 times every day. Mm -hmm. In fact, the statement was made seemingly to negate any counting or limit at all. So there's no limitation that we should ever put on forgiving our brother, forgiving our sister, or forgiving anyone. We should never put a limit on forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, we're going to read a parable. But the parable was prompted by Peter's question that he asked. The Lord figure, all right, I figure what's in your, your heart. And so you're, you're asking these questions, so I know what's in your heart, Peter. So I'm going to give you a parable for you to ponder and get an understanding so you can get it right. So in Matthew chapter 18... Verse number 23, the word of the Lord says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. Verse 25, But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him, to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment be made. So this guy owed the king some money. What is that? 10,000 talents. And so, that's a lot of owing. And so he couldn't pay. And his master said, you know what? Here is how I'm going to get my money back. Not even all of it, but some of it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'll sell him, I'll sell his wife, and I'll sell his children, and whatever money I receive from selling him, that will go towards his debt. Mm-hmm. 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 Verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee. Verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. There's some key words there. He was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Mm, what a good Lord. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. 
and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your heart forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Something jumped out to me just now as I was reading it. It says, O thou wicked servant. So here it, here it goes. If you don't forgive someone when God had forgiven you, God calls you wicked. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just reading the word of God. It says, oh, thou wicked servant. So when you don't forgive someone, God calls that wicked. Because God has forgiven you. And he's saying, how can you be forgiven by your Lord? If you call Jesus your Lord. How can you be forgiven by your Lord? And you hold a debt against someone else as opposed to letting them out and forgive them of that. If you do that, the Bible... Jesus Christ, the Word of God, calls you wicked. I thought wickedness just was people that just do real bad things to people. No, the Lord said we are wicked if we don't forgive others their debt that they owe us when God has forgiven us our debt. Amen. It is estimated that 10,000 talents would be equal to approximately $3,600,000. Mm-hmm. The debtor had no hope of paying what he owed. So the king decided to sell the man's possession. By this means, the king would regain a tiny portion of what he was owed. Tiny portion. What the king proposed to do was much more severe than modern bankruptcy. <laughs> oh my God, help us. As a result, this man and his family would become slaves. For debt the man could not pay. His family would be enslaved. Under the law of the time, this king would have every right to sell that debtor and his family. The king would not regain his 10,000 talents, but he would get his pound of flesh. We love our pound of flesh. We got to show people, this is what happens to you when you do me wrong. This is what I got to do because you did not do right. We love to let people know what we think of them when they do us wrong. But remember what I said when I started out. When people do you wrong, it's an opportunity to show mercy. The debtor and his family would not continue their life as they had known it. 
despite his impossible situation, the debtor appealed to the king by asking to have mercy on him, and he would pay all. His express intent was absurd. At the time, an average salary was around 300 talents. Repaying 10,000 talents was far beyond the average man's ability. Yet, at the debtor's appeal, the king was moved with compassion. He forgave the man his debt of 10,000 talents, which was 3,600,000. The debtor was subject to the king. He was not a prince of the kingdom. He had no personal relationship with the king. Still, the king treated this man and his debt as he would have treated his son or grandson. Yes. That debt that the king forgave the servant of, a man would only forgive his son and grandson that kind of debt. But the king still had compassion. He was moved with compassion. And he forgave the servant the debt. The king's behavior, as Jesus described, was reflective of mercy. Somebody say mercy. Mercy. Oh, yeah. The king showed mercy in taking the time to listen to the debtor's appeal. Those who love mercy are willing to listen. Those who love mercy are willing to listen. If you don't want to listen, I'm telling you tonight, you got to work on loving mercy. If you don't want to listen, it means mercy is not working in your life and you need to love mercy because you know you, know you need to be merciful. So if you don't want to listen, it means mercy is not operating in your life. In a world of sound bites, Taking time to listen is more significant than ever. To listen is an act of mercy. You didn't know that, did you? To listen is an act of mercy. Because just by you listening, it means you will contemplate trying to help. You don't want to listen, it means you have no intention of helping. Uh-huh. What we choose not to do can show mercy. I'll explain the king electing not to carry out his plan to sell the man, his family, and their possession was very merciful. The king showed mercy in not doing what he had every right to do. Mm-hmm. So, we like to exercise our right. Mm-hmm. I remember old time people growing up used to always used to say, I don't know why I say old time people. Because sooner or later, um, I'll be in that position. But 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 I, I heard growing up, I heard growing up that they used to say sometimes you have to have your right and give it up. I've I've been hearing that since my eyes were at my knees. Sometimes you have to have your right and give it up. Unfortunately, in this world, in this day and age, we want people to know we're right. We have a hard time now giving up our right or showing mercy because we know that if I have the right to do something, I am going to do it. Having the right to do something don't mean you should do it. (laughs) What we like to say, we have the right of freedom of speech. 
And some people are crazy enough to just think that means I can say whatever I want. You have the right to say whatever you want. But you better be ready to reap the repercussions of what you said. So we can have the right to do a lot of things. It does not mean we should exercise that right. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't get quiet on me right now. Huh. The king showed mercy. And he didn't have to. He had the right to exercise whatever judgment he wanted to. But he didn't. What the king did was not judgment withheld. It was kindness extended. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Those who love mercy accept and adapt when there is a personal loss. The king's action was not limited to allowing the debtor to continue living with his family in their home. The king cleared the debt. Uh-huh. Those who love mercy are not begrudging with their kindness. Mm -hmm. So, you can't begrudgingly do something and expect for people to accept it for what you want them to accept it, accept it as. So, what, am I, what do I mean by that? The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Right. Come on. And so, you can give anyhow you want. But God loves a cheerful giver. I'm just going to say it like that. Amen. So you can give however you want. You can give cheerfully, or you can give mean, or you can give uncomfortably, or you can give begrudgingly. The bottom line is, God loves a cheerful giver. That's Amen. His word. That's right. Mercy is, expense, is expansive and can be expensive. I'll say that again. Mercy is expansive and can be expensive. The king in Jesus' parable loved mercy. Through coming weeks, consider, do I love mercy in the same way? For the next few weeks, stop and ask yourself, challenge yourself, and ask yourself, do I love mercy? This parable is a feel-good story. Unfortunately, the parable does not end there. Jesus then took the opportunity to show the opposite of mercy. Watch this. Like many of Jesus' parables, this one had a contrast. Jesus helped Peter and us to understand that not every beneficiary of mercy also loved mercy. So here we go. Someone can show you mercy and you benefit from them showing you mercy. But that doesn't usually mean you're going to love mercy. That's true. Mm -hmm. Amen. Some who benefit from mercy do not love demonstrating mercy to others. Uh-huh. And so we have it where this fellow, fellow who had experienced amazing mercy encountered another man. This man owed him a hundred pence. While one hundred pence was a significant debt, it was minuscule when compared to 10,000 talents. Mm -hmm. The man who had received forgiveness for an outrageous debt was now in the role of the creditor. Mm -hmm. And his response was the opposite of his king. How many of us today are seeing or experiencing what Jesus is doing for us 
and we're going out here doing differently. Whatever Jesus has done for you, you ought to be doing it for others. We can't justify or explain away why we should be any different or treat people any different than how Jesus is treating us. So you are supposed to treat people how Jesus has treated you. Uh-huh. The man's dem- demand for repayment of the hundred pence was extreme. In contrast to his king, this creditor wanted his money and he wanted all of it immediately. The encounter became physical as the man who was owed took his debtor by the throat. This man who had recently experienced mercy was choking the life out of another person who who owed him a comparable meager amount. While being choked, the man who owed 100 pence appealed to patience or appealed for patience. However, the man who owed the 100 pence, who, who was owed the 100 pence, he didn't listen as the man was asking for mercy. The debtor received no opportunity to explain or offer a payment plan or anything. He was just being choked and being told, give me my money. How we deal with other people was what Jesus wanted to teach us through this parable. How we deal with other people was what Jesus was showing us. So Jesus was showing us how he treats us, that's how we're supposed to treat other people. And so he showed us this parable so we can understand how we're supposed to treat one another. And Jesus will not accept anything less than how we are treated by him. Our actions toward other people reveal the genuineness of our relationship with God. I'll say that again. Our actions toward others reveal the genuineness of our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We have to be careful that we don't treat people we like the way Jesus treats us, but treat others that we don't like any old kind of way. Because that's kind of how we live our life. That's kind of what we have a tendency to do is, all right, if I feel... I don't know, compassion towards a person, or if I feel like that person's kind of like me, or if I feel like that person, you know, from afar, I kind of, you know, have admired them or something, so we treat them the way God would treat us. And then some other person that could be labeled as a bad person, another person that probably is not rolling with the crowd and not acting like everybody else. We treat them different. And remember I said, the Bible teaches us that God is no respecter of persons, which means we should never be respecter of persons. So that means it doesn't matter who they are. We ought to be ready to show mercy to everyone, not just some people, not just the people we like, not just the people who we associate with all the time. We should be ready to show mercy to every single individual, not just the people we're fond of. Come on. Simon Peter felt he was a good example of the teaching of Christ because he was willing to forgive seven times in one day. But Jesus taught we should stop carefully measuring out mercy. Mercy should not be something where we said, well, I showed mercy to them a lot of times. I'm done. 
I'm done. I'm not even going to be bothered with them. 490 times one day. 490 times one day. We don't have a choice. We can't get fed up. We can't get frustrated. We can't get so angry that we begin to tell ourselves, no need. I'm not showing them any more mercy because I've shown them so much mercy. I've forgiven them so many times. 490 times. That's what we need to walk around and say in these days. 490 times. 490 times. When somebody get mad and go go in on someone, we need to walk by and just whisper 490 times. When we see hear people criticizing other people, we need to just walk by and say 490 times. Yes. How about yeah. we do that? Yeah. How about we start doing that so we don't we make sure we start practicing uh, being merciful, start loving mercy. Because if we go around saying that all the time, 490 times, guess what? We will start being merciful. And others will become aware that they need to be merciful. So we need to just walk around every time somebody just go crazy and start going in on someone. We need to just say 490 times. And say it with a smile. So they know you're not saying it out of bitterness. You're saying it out of the love of God. Huh. The man who had owed 10,000 talents was angry. Now listen to this. This is very important. The man who was shown great mercy by his Lord, he was an angry man. Listen to this. While grateful for the forgiven debt, the man was angry. He needed mercy for his family to survive. Church, you heard me mention this this past Sunday. We got to shake pride. We got to get out of pride. We can't let pride control us. We got to get pride out of our life. We got to get pride out of our heart. Hear me, somebody. I'm talking to somebody right now. You've got to work hard to get pride out of you because pride will destroy you in so many ways. And that servant that was forgiven all that debt, that 10,000 talents, he had so much pride that he didn't have a choice. Listen to me carefully. He didn't have a choice. When he realized the debt that he owed his Lord, he didn't have a choice because he had no way. He had no, 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 nothing to pay off that debt. He, he, he couldn't give anything that he owned. He didn't have anything that was valuable enough for him to give to his Lord to say, here is my payment for what I owe you. He could not live long enough and work hard enough to pay off that debt. And so he didn't have a choice but to be forgiven of that debt. And that was the only way he was getting out of that debt. If the, the, the creditor had decided that I'm going to forgive you the debt. That was the only way he was going to get out of that debt. Somebody say amen. amen. And so the bottom line is he, he got into a position where he realized that was the only way. And he was forgiven that debt. But he still wasn't happy because, you know, we like to say this. Now someone has one up on you. <laughs> and and that's, that's, that's one up has been going on a long time, church. And so the, 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 the debt, the creditor that forgave that debtor had one up on him. And he didn't like that because when you have pride, you don't want nobody to have one up on you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so his, his, his Lord had one up on him. Because, you know, we can be servants and still be prideful. 
Oh, my God. I'm Something happening right here. I can't move over this right now. You can be a servant to God and still be prideful. Amen. Because what you are banking on is, I do everything the Lord tells me to do. I'm a faithful servant of God. I go to church every time the doors are open. I worship and praise God. And servants of God can be prideful because you think you're doing everything God said you need to do. And so you walk around acting like you're above everyone else because you're doing everything God wants you to do. That's pride. And so you walk around having pride when you should not be a servant of God having pride. And so there's people that are supposed to be people of God, servants of God, walking around with pride. When you walk around with pride and you mess up, you get a whole lot of emptiness going on. You become uncomfortable because you know the only way you can get out of that mess is if your Lord forgive you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's why as a servant you can't let pride get in because you're going to act like your service to the Lord is what makes you right. We got to get this thing right. I don't care how much you serve God. You can never pay him for what you owe him. I don't care how much you serve. I don't care if you're the most faithful servant in the church. You can't serve enough to pay off any debt you owe the Lord. None. So we can't begin to live for God and act like as much we give to the Lord, that should, that, that should count for something. That should be like, okay, Lord, uh, 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 I'm, 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 I'm working hard, so it means that I'm covering, you know, for all the stuff that I've done. Nonsense. Nonsense. And so we must realize that we can't have pride when we serve the Lord in thinking that the things we're doing in the kingdom of God should justify anything. No, 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 no. This man, his aggressive reaction was not about the hundred pence owed him. Instead, his ruthless act defined how he felt about himself. So when he was forgiven and he went looking for the other guy that owed him and when the guy says I don't have it and he grabbed him by the throat, it means that man was angry. He had stuff wrong on the inside because when you, when you were forgiven of something, you would think as soon as he was forgiven that great debt, you would think he would go and find the guy that owed him and says, guess what man, I know you owe me a hundred pence, don't even worry about it. He didn't even have to explain anything to him. All he needed to do was just go to him and say, don't even worry about what you owe me, after what he was forgiven. But he went and choked the man. So it tells you something was already wrong within him. Why would you go and choke somebody for 100 pence when you was forgiven 10,000 talents? It makes no sense. If you are always angry and unfulfilled within yourself, Being shown mercy won't mean much to you. As a matter of fact, it will just make you more of who you are because you are seeing and experiencing what you are not. So let me give you, let me take, break that down, what what I'm telling you. As Christians, holy and righteous Christians, if you live a holy and righteous life, some people will become comfortable around you when you get around them. Why? Because they're seeing something that they're not. And they can see that I need to be like that. But I'm not like that. And clearly, I can see that I'm not. So when you show up and you are righteous, when you show up and you're holy, the people that are not 
righteous, and the people that are not holy, they're looking like, oh man, and they feel uncomfortable. Let me give you an example. If you show up in a place where, you know, you, you, you show up and you're dressed properly, formally, and you're looking good, but other people have stuff coming out, it's fine when you're not around them, but when you walk up to them, all of a sudden they're fixing themselves. I didn't ask you to fix yourself. But what they felt was your presence. And they looked at you and realized how you carry yourself. They listened to how you speak and they realized they need to come up a little bit more than where they are. And so they automatically they see that. Uh-huh. And so they want to uh, try to, they're convicted in their life. They're convicted. As, as Christians, we got to carry ourselves that when we show up, we're not trying to convict nobody. We're not trying to tell people how to feel. But if you be who Jesus said to be, you will convict people. But if you show them mercy, then they will want to be what Jesus said they need to be. Amen. This is why it's important to really come to grips in understanding we need to love mercy. Because if we show up in a holy and righteous way, people will feel uncomfortable around us and feel convicted. But if we extend mercy and we extend the love of God, they will respond to us differently. And then they will feel comfortable wanting to be like you. I don't know, that might have went over your head. But that man had issues in his heart. And because of his issues, he didn't do right. You can experience goodness from the Lord and don't receive it the right way because you have internal issues. We have to work out what's in our heart, church. Because God is being good to all of us. But somehow, some people still go around and act like God has not been good to you. You still go around wanting more when God has shown you great things. Something is in the heart that needs to get out. You can easily distinguish between the people who love mercy and those who do not. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Listen to this. An educated person can be merciful or unmerciful toward those with less education. You know how we are. If we're educated, we don't have time for the uneducated. You want to show mercy? Deal with somebody that's uneducated when you're educated. Uh-huh. That's doing something. Because we like to be with the people that's on our level because it's easy to, to just move around and deal with the people that are on your level. It's easy. But God didn't call us to do what's easy. He called us to do what He wants us to do. Right. The wealthy can be merciful or unmerciful toward those who are less wealthy or have less than them. Who are born again can be merciful or unmerciful to the unsaved. Do we treat the unsaved with mercy, or do we turn our nose up towards the unseen? Come on. Because that's something that we need to ask ourselves in the church. When we see the unsaved, what we do, criticize them, or do we show them mercy? When we see the unsaved, do we talk about them, or do we show mercy? Until we love mercy, we will see the unsaved and we will criticize them. Even if we don't criticize them outwardly, we criticize them in our heart. When all we need to do is show them mercies. Somebody say mercy. Mercy, mercy. mercy begins with feeling compassion. 
And those who love mercy act in a way that makes someone else's life easier. So when you're showing mercy, you are going to make somebody's life easier. And here is the caveat. We have difficulty making somebody's life easier because we keep thinking about ourselves. My life ain't easy, so why should theirs be? Can I take a side turn just to tell you all this? Because most of y'all won't understand this. But it's like preachers. A lot of preachers, you know how they feel? They feel like since they had to struggle to do the work of God and starting their church from scratch and ground zero and all that stuff, they, they feel like since they had to do that, everyone should have to do that. That's how most preachers feel. Not most, I'm sorry. A lot of preachers feel that way. If I had to struggle, then you got to struggle. If, if, if I had to, you know, go through, you know, being broke and, and my family had to go through this, then you got to do that. Who said that? I thought this was God's kingdom. And so preachers feel that way. And here's what I say sometimes when I see that. I say, which man that's in his right mind that doesn't want to see his kids do better than what he did? <laughs> that, that's the question that I, I ask in my mind when I see it where, where, where as preachers we're thinking that everybody got to go through the same struggle. Nonsense. Amen. Nonsense. Every day we wake up, the return of the Lord is closer than it's been. Every day we wake up, the return of the Lord is closer. And the closer we get to the return of the Lord, don't you think things are going to be a little bit different? And I've got scripture for that. Remember the guy that went out and hired laborers? And he hired some earlier than some. And the ones he hired one hour before the time, he paid everybody the same. Remember that? Well, the bottom line is this. There's going to be some people that their, their way of serving God and how they're going to be used by God will be different than some of us. Amen. And we just got to accept it. Because God is a shot caller. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And so the bottom line is, we don't all have to go through the same things. And so we need to show some compassion. We need to have compassion and show mercy to make somebody else's life easier. Amen. Uh-huh. When you're showing compassion, when you're showing mercy, you're making someone else's life easier. Don't be mad and say, why should I make your life easier? You want your children's life to be easier than yours. And so if that's what you want with your children, why wouldn't you want that for everybody else's children? The man who owed a hundred pence was put into prison until he could pay the debt. Being unmerciful can be foolish. Check it out. While in prison, how was that debtor to earn any money to repay 100 pence? Amen. The angry creditor was showcasing what he had the power to do. He put the man in prison. Now just think about it. Think about it. If you're not in jail, you can go get a job and work and give me some money. If you're in jail, how do you go to work and make money and give me my money and pay off the debt? Makes no sense. So when, 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 when you don't show mercy... It makes you foolish. Because you're not going to get paid if this is the situation that you're talking about. He will not get paid what he's owed because the man is locked up. All because he had the power to lock him up. Mm. Remember what I said. You can have the right to do things. That don't mean you should do it. Because you can be foolish in doing it. The angry creditor was just showcasing his power. Listen, I'm getting there. 
The Lord requires that we love doing intentional acts of kindness to others. Loving mercy is not expressed by feeling compassion for someone. Instead, loving mercy is when the feeling of compassion moves us to action. Those who love mercy have a habit of acting with kindness. Love and mercy toward people with whom they have no relationship. Those who love mercy are not those who do a single act in the whim of emotion. Sometimes we do an act that seems merciful because of our emotions that are being driven. So there are times where we will do something, a one-time thing, because of our emotions. We say, wow, and we're moved by emotion and we do it one time. That's not showing mercy. You were just moved by emotion for a certain time, for a certain situation, just that one time. Instead, they are consistent. You have to be consistent in showing mercy. You can count on such a person who is merciful. Because when you're merciful, you're consistent in showing kindness. There are certain things God prioritizes. Some attitudes and behaviors have value above others. The Lord Jesus Christ is merciful and wants His people to love mercy. Our priorities can be misaligned with those of the Lord Jesus. The Israelites of Micah's time were content to bring sacrifices. They felt certain their participation at the temple matched God's value. The priests and the people of Israel were surprised when Micah, the prophet, the resident, the prophet, said unto them in Micah 6 and 8, He had shown thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Mercy is a divine and human attribute. We must understand the word mercy. We use the word often. Lord have mercy, or mercy be, are part of the North American vernacular. But truthfully, mercy is not so casual. Mercy is a defining trait of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two verses express the dimension of His mercy. I love this text in Lamentations 3.22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. They are new every morning. <laughs> this word is so consistent and so connected. So Peter asked the Lord, how often should we forgive someone? The Lord tell him 70 times 7, 490 times every day. You know why? Because the Lord show us mercy every day. He starts over new. <laughs> God. I don't know what to think sometimes. The Lord is just amazing. So he's telling Peter what he's already doing. The Lord is saying, dude, I show you all mercy every day. Every day is new. If I showed you 15,000 situations in mercy throughout the day, tomorrow morning when you wake up, it starts over brand new. New mercies every day. That's what God does. And we should do the same for each other. Mercy every day. Mercy every day. We need to show each other. Jesus, Jesus' mercy is new each morning and His mercy has no half-life. Jesus' mercy endures forever. Mercy in Micah 6 is elsewhere represented by our word loving kindness. The concept in this Hebrew word is not 
easily defined by a single word, whether that word is mercy or loving kindness. Mercy as an attribute of God or man is an act of kindness or love shown towards someone. Those who love mercy show similar kindness to those who are not family members or close friends. God's mercy and loving kindness are not limited to those near him. Mercy can pass between a guest and the host, a master and a servant, or a king and one of his subjects. Outside the context of scripture, acts of mercy presuppose the existence of relationship between the people involved. Those who love mercy have decided to treat someone as they would a sibling, parent, child, grandchild, or close friend. For humanity to love mercy is seldom a natural response. Amen. We got to love mercy. Loving mercy and acting with mercy require an intentional decision. We must be intentional in loving mercy. And so, you might have the right to carry out judgment. You might have the right to punish someone. Amen. But it's also an opportunity to show mercy. Amen. It's not about the rights that we have. It's about the opportunities we have. And we have an opportunity to show mercy every time someone has wronged us. We, God's creation have been shown mercy and continue to be shown mercy by God and we've wronged God, God in so many ways. We've wronged our Creator in so many ways. But He still continues to show us mercy. We must love mercy, church. If we're going to be like our Savior, if we're going to be like our God, if we're going to be like our Lord Jesus Christ, we must love mercy and we must look for the opportunities to show mercy and not judgment. Uh-huh. God will, will judge all things. I'm not worried about judgment. I'm worried about mercy. I'm going to show mercy. Let the Lord judge and let us show mercy. We got to love mercy because mercy has been extended to us and continues to be extended to us. Somebody say amen. amen. If we're going to please God, we're going to have to love mercy. And when we love mercy, we will extend mercy to others. And they don't have to be your family member. They don't have to be your close friend. They don't have to be your relative. You just need to show mercy because you are practicing one of God's attributes, which is to be merciful. If we're going to be like our God, we're going to have to do things that he does. Amen. And he shows mercy. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, to be like Jesus is what we want to do. We want to be like you, Jesus. There's so much that must happen within us to be like you. But God, we will endeavor and our aspirations are to be like you. We will continue to seek to be like you. And God, we've heard about mercy tonight. So now, Lord, we need for mercy to be a part of who we are, to be in us. So, Lord, if we can begin to live out mercy, oh, God, that will be an attribute in our, an attribute in our life that will make us like you. 
And so, Lord, I pray tonight that the word spoken here in our Bible study tonight will resonate. It will take root, Lord God. And, oh, my God, it will begin to permeate within our soul, our spirit, that, Lord, as we leave tonight to, to just to just go about our ways, that, Lord, we will find ourselves to show mercy one to another. We will find ourselves, Almighty God, loving mercy and practicing mercy that somebody, Lord God, can see us the way they need to see us, Lord God, as children of the Most High God, as examples of Jesus Christ. Oh, my God, will you help us tonight? Will you mold us and will you shape? us and help us uh, to be merciful, Lord God, and not show judgment, Lord God. We, we leave judgment up to you, Lord God, and we will show mercy one to another. We will be, oh God, the people that will forgive and leave judgment up to you, Lord God, for Lord, we want to be like Jesus. We want to please you, almighty God, and oh Lord, will you reveal to us more and more, oh God, the things that we must do in order to please you. Father, I pray tonight for every person uh, that's watching and listening under the sound of my voice. Uh, every person that will look at this message, Lord God, that they, oh God, will take it into their soul, will take it into their spirit, uh, will let it permeate, uh, will eat it, digest it, Lord God, and allow it to become a part of their life, of who they are, Lord God, that, Lord, you will have people all throughout this world that's just like you and showing mercy. I pray tonight, Lord God, that the power of God will move upon us tonight and we will truly be transformed. That we will move. We will be moved to a different dimension in you. That, Lord God, mercy will just be part of who we are. Mercy will be, oh God, what's in us and who we are. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the, the wonderful men and women of God, the young people of God, the children of God, of this local assembly. Lord God, I thank you for every one of them. Oh God, I sense that you're doing something in the heart of your people, especially your young people. I feel like you're doing something. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, will you help them, oh God, and show me, Lord, how I can help them, and show the rest of us how we can be a blessing to our young people, how we can be a blessing to all those who you allow us, oh God, to encounter. I pray the mercy of God will take root into our life and we will express mercy. That Lord God, we will express it wherever we go. We will demonstrate it wherever we go. Father, we need you. We love you, Lord God. We want to please you, Lord Jesus. Will you help us tonight? Will you help us tonight? Remove from out of our heart any motive that is self-centered. Remove out of our heart any motive, Almighty God, that is contrary to what you want us to do and be. Oh, God, and put into us a, a Christ-centered motive, Lord God. A motive that is Christ-centered, Lord God. Help us tonight, Lord. Bless our congregation, Lord God. Strengthen the people of God that we can be a blessing to others. We thank and praise you tonight, Lord God. And we ask you all of these things in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say in Jesus' name? Amen. Love mercy, church. It is an attribute of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to love mercy. If we're going to be like Jesus, we ought to show mercy. Because mercy is an attribute of our God. I love you. 
Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget Saturday at 6.30, prayer. And then again, Sunday morning at 10.30, please be with us. And also, Bible studies at 9.30 on Zoom. If you need to get the link, get the link and reach out um, uh, for Bible study. Amen. I appreciate all of you. I love you so very much, and I thank God for you. And if there's anything at all that we can do in this hour to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can reach out to us on the website. You can reach out to us through your telephone. You can reach out to us on any social media platform. Please reach out to us if there's any need. We will love to be of help in any way we can. We love you. Have a wonderful night. God bless you.